Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. Take your Bibles this morning and turn to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 3 as our text. But before we get there, we're going to pause and we're going to pray for Israel. The scripture tells us we should pray for the peace of Jerusalem. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I want to give you some facts. Now, you'll not hear this in the media. You'll not hear this uh, uh, in the politicians, but I'm going to give you facts about what's going on in Israel, all right? If you want the research that I have, send me an email. I'll send it to you. This is established fact. It's not fantasy. It's not fallacy. It's not something that I made up. I want you to realize that prior to 1948, the region of Palestine, and it is a region in Israel, was always considered to be Jewish. Matter of fact, when you referred to Palestine, it was Palestinian Jews that lived in that region. It was never a national identity. It was not its own country. It was not a people. It was referred to as Jewish. After the establishment of the state of Israel, then Israel was again referred to as Jewish, and Palestine was a part of Israel, that geographical region. It wasn't until 1964 that you first heard the term Palestinian referring to a group of people. You heard it again in 1967 with the... uh, uh, immersion of the Palestinian Liberation Organization led by Yasser Arafat, who we know was a terrorist. And then, as late as 1996, in the Israeli cassette, and that's the Israeli parliament, all right, there was an Arab in parliament that stood, his name was Ozzy Bishara, and he made a speech saying there is no Palestinian nation, we're an Arab nation. So when you hear the term Palestinian, and they're referring that to the people who live in Gaza or other parts of Israel, when they refer to Israel as an occupier, when they refer to Israel as someone who is oppressing Palestinians there, it's an absolute lie. There are multiple cities within the boundaries of Israel that are controlled by Palestinian organizations. They live primarily in peace. But there are also terrorist organizations whose only desire is to destroy the nation of Israel and to kill every Jew they can kill, hopefully exterminating the race. Hitler tried it. It's been tried again and again and again throughout history, never successfully exterminating the Jewish people. So we need to understand today that this whole lie that's being pushed by the media and even by politicians is just that. Matter of fact, Abraham was in Canaan, which later became Israel, 2,500 years before the prophet Muhammad was even born. I want you to understand, you're hearing a lot of things that are just not true. Israel would live in peace if Hamas and Hezbollah would allow it. But because they are the aggressors, Israel has to be defensive and as a result, offensive. So this morning, would you bow your heads with me and let's pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Father, we come before you today on behalf of your people, the Jewish people, the Hebrews. 
We come before you and we ask that the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob would visit that nation again. That you would turn the heart of Israel and your people back to you. We know historically you have used famine and pestilence and wars and oppression to turn their hearts back to you. And we pray in this terrible thing that's happening right now throughout Israel, that you'd awaken your people. That they'd realize again the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is yet alive and sitting on the throne of the universe and turn their hearts back to you. We pray for these things and we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. In Jesus' name, amen. Someone says, well, that was very political. No, that was very biblical and historical. You need to share that. Tell people what you're hearing is not true. It's an absolute lie. So this morning we're talking about wokeism. This lie actually comes from wokeism, from Marxism. It's surfaced because the world hates the Jews. That's a part of wokeism. It's a shame that we have members of Congress and the Senate who actually support a lie. It's a tragedy, but it's happening. The notes for the message this morning are on the church app. You also received one as you came in. If you didn't receive one, hold up your hand. The ushers will get one to you. Thank you so very much, ushers, for your help. So we're talking this morning, the third message about wokeism. Today we're finishing the message from last week about adopting a biblical worldview and what exactly that means to you and I. You know, it's one thing for preachers to tell you what, it's another thing for them to tell you how. So this morning, this is a how lesson. This is something you can apply to your daily lives and make real within you. Colossians 3, verses 1 through 3, the Apostle Paul wrote, If you then were raised with Christ... Seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Father, we pray that the powerful anointing of your Holy Spirit would rest in this room. Let your word come alive in the hearts of your people, both gathered here and online. Those who are watching now and in the future. Bring a great work into their hearts and into their lives today. Bring an awakening into your church, we pray, in Jesus' name. Before I get into the message, I want to say hi to Yvonne. She's in Oklahoma babysitting. We miss you, baby, and I know you're watching. God bless you. We love you. Amen? Amen. So we read the scripture where Paul says, Set your mind on things above, not on things of earth. That's a direct command to you and I. It's a challenge to live out each and every day, especially when we are surrounded by wokeism. You know the definitions. I'm going to read through them very quickly. Google says that wokeism is someone who is aware of, actively attentive to important facts and issues, especially issues of racial and social injustice. We read that and we think, hey, that's me. I'm attentive to and sensitive to issues of racial and social injustice. But don't jump on that train just yet. I tell you, it was really funny. After the service last week, and you know I was on the floor, because I like to be a little closer to you, but Zach, who runs lights back there, said to me, you need to either move back to the platform or we need to readjust the lights because you looked red. 
And I'm laughing to myself. And I'm thinking, you know, if I was woke, I would be offended. And I would say, Zach, you're a racist because a black man just called me a red man. And maybe you don't know, but I got a lot of red men in me, American Indian. But I laughed it off. I know, Zach, there was no ill intent in that comment. Wokeism, however, sees ill intent in any comment that challenges what they believe and who they are. I love Zach. He's not a racist. I know that. And I know he loves me. I just thought it was hilarious that in the middle of this series, he calls me a red man. That's funny. That's funny. I loved it. It was great. So we look on down and we see that wokeism is an authoritative worldview that seeks to deconstruct the foundations of our Christian faith by overwhelming, overpowering, and overthrowing those who do not adhere to its ideology. That's the true definition of wokeism. When you read the scripture, Paul went on to write in Colossians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, see to it that no one takes you captive through holy deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Did you hear it? Don't fall prey to philosophies that are based in human tradition rather than in the word of God. Verse 9, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you've been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. And if we were to read on what Paul writes to the churches of the New Testament, he would say there will come a day and a time when every knee will bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hear me, friend. Wokeism dies at the cross. Someone said, you get any death threats this week? Yeah, I got two more. I laugh them off. I don't care. The truth is offensive to many people. I look around this morning and I think, wow. Oh, yeah, I remember FSU had a late game last night. So people have to sleep in on Sunday morning. They can't make it to church. Ouch. So when we read the scripture, we recognize that wokeism has been an issue. These philosophies have been an issue since actually the beginning of the world. And we see that Paul said, make sure that no one takes you captive through these human philosophies and traditions, but rather build your life upon the word of God. I understand today that wokeism is everywhere. It's all over the place. You can't get away from it. But if you study church history, you will soon learn there have always been philosophies, always been traditions, always been teachings based in man's intellect that are contrary to the word of God. Christians have dealt with crazy stuff like this since Jesus walked the earth. We need to remember that Rome was completely off the reservation during the time of the New Testament church. We need to remember that believers were killed. They were captured and fed to lions. It was a horrible thing that Rome did. So we understand these philosophies have been around forever. Wokeism is not new, even though they want you to believe that it is. So when we talk about it being everywhere, let's then shift our focus and talk about the benefits of developing or adopting a Christian worldview. I want you to understand, when I came to Christ, my philosophies changed, my thoughts changed, 
my worldview changed. It went from being all about me to being all about him. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that has got to be your worldview. I want to give you three reasons why I believe in a biblical worldview. Number one, because of the logical consistency. You say, what are you talking about? Well, you'll find in terms of logic that logical consistency means every fact is correct, they don't contradict each other, and they all work together. Logical consistency. May I tell you, the Word of God is logical. There are no contradictions in the Scripture. Every word fits together to accomplish God's will and God's purpose. If you're not familiar with that, I preached a series in January and February of this year called Unmovable, and we talked about those basic tenets of faith that do not change. You can go back and watch that at OurNationsTallahassee.com. Do you realize that there are over 1,800 prophecies in the Bible? There are actually 324 Messianic prophecies in the Old Testament. And they were all fulfilled, every single one of them, in one man, and that man was Jesus Christ. Mathematicians tell us that the odds of even 48 of those prophecies being fulfilled in one man are 1 to the 10th and 157th power. How big is that? Well, it's a 1 with 157 zeros behind it. It's an amazing thing. The Word of God shows logical consistency. There's no question about it. Number two, imperial adequacy. If you're a scientist, you know what I'm talking about this morning. We have empirical evidence that we can stack up and show that the Word of God is absolutely true. We can see that through history, the Word of God, its witnesses, its testimonies, the people, the life changes, everything is about empirical evidence and adequacy. When we talk about that, we have to know and understand that everything that is observable is true. That's what empirical adequacy means. Everything that we see, everything in the book is true, and it's been proven true, and it's being proven true. It's interesting to me that science for years denied the Word of God as true. As a rule of standard contact, it was all a bunch of fallacies. It was all about the writings of old men. They all said there was no flood until archaeologists found the ark. They said there was no land of Ur until archaeologists uncovered it. Hear me, friend, again and again and again, science will prove the Word of God to be true. Over and over. Biology tells us there are two sexes, male and female. Well, God said that in the book of Genesis. Amazing, isn't it? Absolutely astounding that the Word of God is true. You see, when we don't understand these concepts, then we fall prey to the lies. I believe that God created the heavens and the earth in six days. That's what Genesis tells me. On the seventh day, He rested. But Scientists often try to tell us, no, there was no such thing as a being who, who made creation come about. It was the result of a Big Bang theory. How ridiculous. Can I tell you that when you're living in deceit, you'll believe anything? Because that's the purpose of deceit. And then number three, existential relevancy. 
You see, only Christianity answers the questions that are inherent in mankind. Only Christianity can do that. Questions like, why am I here? Where am I going? Questions like, what is the meaning of life? You see, we understand that through the scriptures and through Jesus Christ, all those things are answered. We understand what he's called us to do. We understand what he's saying in our lives. I mentioned this last week as we closed, but do you remember or do you know that the retina in your eyes sees everything upside down? And then it sends the signals through the optic nerve to the brain. And somehow, I don't understand it, the brain turns everything right side up. So when I look at you, I'm not seeing you upside down. I'm seeing you right side up because of something that's happening in my brain that I don't understand, I don't control, and I didn't create. It's an amazing thing when we stop to think about it. The problem is, wokeism is still seeing everything upside down. That process is not occurring in their spirit, in their heart, to turn them right side up. So what once was berated is now celebrated. What once was opposed is now embraced. What once was wrong is now right. Because when we see things upside down, we don't get a picture of the real world. So I'm going to give you five things that help us to see things right side up. We're going to walk through these quickly. Been in your outline for the last two weeks. I just haven't got to them. So we're going to deal with them this morning. The first thing that helps you see things right side up is understanding your identity. The woke crowd says that as far as our identity, we're victims. We're the oppressed. We're those who have been pushed down. That's what the woke crowd tells you. I'm a victim, and because I'm a victim, I'm entitled. I'm oppressed. You have to do something for me. See, it's this philosophy that makes people believe it's okay to smash out the plate glass windows in a store and carry off everything you want to carry off. Even though the law says it's wrong, it's okay because you're a victim. You need to hear me today. What the Word of God says is true is still true. And it doesn't change because of the color of your skin or the language you speak. Let me say it again. I said it last week. You know what separates a white person from a black person? It's one thing. 0.012% more melanin in their system than in a white person's system. 0.012. And yet we have built entire classes upon that principle. Absolutely ignorant. No, the word for it. I mean, you think about it. When you go back to the Garden of Eden, Adam, when God confronted him, said, Oh, no, God, it's not my fault. I'm a victim. It was the woman. She gave me the apple. And men have used that for thousands of years. And the woman, Eve, said, Oh, no, God, it's not my fault. It was the serpent who gave me the apple. It's his fault, victimization, blaming everybody else for your problems and then refusing to take responsibility for your own action because it's someone else's fault. Wokers are always pointing the finger at somebody else. No personal responsibility of any kind. And I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. 
If you happen to be a white person of the Caucasian group, wokers tell you there's no hope for you. You may as well die and get off the existence of the planet Earth. They tell you there's no forgiveness of you because the sins of your ancestors carry forward to you. May I tell you, when you come under the blood of Jesus Christ, every curse, every sin, everything that has accompanied your family is broken off of you. And if that isn't true, then neither is the forgiveness of your personal sins true. But we believe that to be true, and because of that, we are set free. And it doesn't matter what color your skin may be, whether it's black or white or red or brown. It just doesn't matter because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Wokers are always pointing the finger. Wokers establish this race thing. Can I tell you that God made one race and there are no others? It's the human race. Now, there are a variety of ethnicities within the human race. Some of that depends on our culture. Some of that depends on the geographical area which we came from. But God made us one. He did not make us to be separated by the color of our skin or the language we speak or the country of origin. We are one in Jesus Christ. The world wants to divide you by all those classes. Why? Have you ever thought about why? It's because that's what Satan does. His victory comes through division. May I challenge you believers. May I challenge you those online. Stop buying the lie of racism. And start saying we are one in Jesus Christ. We are one. Now does racism exist in our society? Of course it does. Why does it? Because men are fallen and they're overcome by the evil one, and they're following the strategy and the lies of Satan, which are designed to divide us. But when we come to Christ, all that nonsense better end. Love the way you're shouting now. I said, when we come to Christ, all that nonsense of racism better end. In Jesus Christ, there is no white church. There is no black church. There is no Asian church. There is no Hispanic church. There is one church. And we have been sanctified according to Ephesians 5 verse 26. Sanctified by the washing of the word of God. And we are one in him. Oh, come on, folks. If we can't accept that, understand that, make that a part of our biblical worldview, makes me ask how much God is really in you. How much God is really in you. We've got to understand in order to have a biblical worldview, our identity has to be correct. I refuse to be separated by the color of skin or other racial markers that wokeism pushes today. As a Christian, I am in Christ. As a Christian, you are in Christ. It's not about the melanin in your skin. It's not about your gender. It's not about your sexual proclivities. It's about whose you are. 
Galatians 4, 7, Paul said, You are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you an heir. Oh, come on. Instead of saying, I'm black, I'm white, I'm brown. Why don't you start saying, I'm a child of the Most High God. I'm an heir to the kingdom of God. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. There is a place for me in heaven. Jesus said, he's going to prepare a place for me. That where he is, there I may be also. Somebody, can you get it in your spirit today? A biblical worldview affects our identity. And I'm here to tell you, as a believer, I am unique. I am one of a kind. I am crafted and created by God Almighty. And I am that way, and I have potential because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you will not lump me in some group or category. And say you are this because of that. We will not accept that. Come on, when you identify someone by the color of their skin, by their body parts, by their sexual proclivities, you are dividing people, which is against the word of God. When I hear that stuff, I want to say, give me a massive break. That is absolutely untrue. And I'm not going to allow that to happen in my life. That's why I can hug everybody in this place, which I don't do often. My wife is the hugger, you know that. But I can look you square in the face and say, you're my brother, you're my sister. Not because you're black or brown or white or red, but because you are redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Give me a break. How satanic is this to divide people? By such idiocy. You know what happens? Because the devil attacks what reminds him of who he was and what he had. Who was he? Isaiah 14. Read it if you don't know. He was the worship leader in heaven. The most beautiful angel. His name was Lucifer. But he was filled with pride and envy. And as a result, he tried to overthrow God. And God banished him from heaven. And all those who followed him. A biblical identity. Number two, our thoughts must fall in line with the Word of God. I read an article that said we have between 12,000 and 50,000 thoughts a day. Now, I don't know where you fit in that spectrum. I don't know how much you think and how fast you think. Maybe you're one of those people who lays your head down on the pillow at night and you can't go to sleep because your mind doesn't shut off. Maybe you're one of those 50,000 people. I don't know who you are or what you are. I read a study by the National Science Foundation that said that 80% of people's thoughts are negative. Wow, that's scary. It said 95% of people's thoughts are reoccurring. In other words, we just play the same reel over and over and over again. Our thoughts. But 2 Corinthians 10.5, come on, I want you to look at it. Paul said, we demolish arguments. And every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. And we take, come on, say it with me. What do we take? We take it. What? We take it captive. Come on, say it again. Captive. Say it again. Captive. Get it in your spirit. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Some of your thoughts are positive. Some of our thoughts are negative. That's true. Some are pure. Some are impure. 
Guys, let me talk to you for a moment. When I have an impure thought, oh no, our pastor can't have impure thoughts. Listen, can I talk to you dudes? I'm talking to real men here this morning. Not some woman who thinks she's a man. I'm talking to men. As long as you're above ground, breathing air, you're going to fight that battle. See, someone said, well, I was delivered from impure thoughts. That's wonderful. And I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It has power to deliver. But I know after you're delivered, you have to walk in perseverance and faith to keep pushing those things down. God delivers. It's your responsibility to walk in it. So let me tell you something. When you have those impure thoughts, are you going to entertain them? Are you going to say, what a beautiful picture? Are you going to say, devil, come with me down to Hobby Lobby. We're going to buy some more art supplies so you can paint that out in a beautiful way. And it'll always be in my mind. Or are you going to take them captive? Take them captive. What are you going to do, guys? What are you going to do? Students, let me talk to you this morning. There's a lot of people that put a lot of garbage into your mind. It happens now from every level of elementary school through university and advanced degrees. It happens. Can I stop and say, I'm thankful for godly professors that are still in our universities, for godly teachers that are still in our public schools who are a light in the darkness, who refute the things taught by the world. You need to understand that there are, if you're in a public university, communistic, anti-God, atheistic professors who try to put all kinds of garbage in your mind. And when you hear this stuff, you either put them in the biblical grid or you put them in the grid of the world. And if you put them over here, you're going to adopt and embrace those philosophies. If you put them over here, you're going to say, "Uh uh-uh, that's a lie of the devil. I reject you. I take you captive in the name of Jesus. See, the battlefield for thoughts is right between our ears. That's why Paul wrote in Romans 12, 1, Be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. And when you renew your mind, then you go to Romans 8, 37, and you can declare we are now more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. And you go to 1 John 4, 5, and you can say, Greater is he who lives in me, in my body, in my soul, in my spirit, in my mind. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And you take those thoughts captive. I don't know why I did this, but this week I was searching spam apps. You know the apps that block spam from your devices? I learned there's two kinds. One is passive. You have to click on that booger every time you wanted to search your devices to find and remove spam. The other is active. And once you install it, it just does its job 24-7. It pushes it back. It rejects it. It doesn't allow anything in. Can I ask you today to put on the filter of the Word of God in your mind that rejects untruth, that rejects the philosophies of the world, and allows God to be your guide? And director. That's a biblical worldview. Number three, truth. Truth. 
Wokeism says what is truth? Wokeism says there's no such thing as objective, universal truth. Is there such a thing, however, that is truth for all time? We believe there is. You see, we believe in objective truth. Wokers believe in subjective truth. Oh, that's a sexy word, isn't it? Subjective truth. So deceptive, so alluring, so pulling people in. Wokers through subjective truth will say, what's true to you is true to you. What's true to me is true to me. That is how you roll when you're a woker. But as believers, we believe in objective truth. We believe there is absolute truth outlined through the word of God for you and I to live by. Wokers will say, oh no, it's all subjective. Truth is what it is to me. Truth is what it is to you as long as I don't hurt anyone. Do you realize with that very statement, they're absolutely refuting their own argument. Why can I say that? I can say that because there are certain laws of science and physics that cannot be overturned. And one of those is the law of gravity. And I guarantee you, if a woke are still on this platform and jump, they're not going up, they're going to the floor. If they fall down the stairs, they're not suddenly lifted back up to the top. They're going to fall clear to the bottom. It's the law of gravity. It's irrefutable. So anytime they say truth is truth to me and truth is truth to you, they're absolutely refuting their own argument by what's happening around them. Do you realize there are over 20 absolute laws in science and physics that cannot be overturned? Cannot be. The law of gravity is one of those. And it can go on and on and on and on. But when we know Jesus, we know freedom. We know truth. I like to say it this way. No truth, no freedom. N-O-N-O. No truth, K-N-O-W, no freedom. K-N-O-W. And that all comes through Jesus Christ. John 8, 31 and 32. He said, if you hold my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Folks, I want you to hear the first part of that verse because we quote that. We throw it around all the time. It's like a wash rag. We just pick up and use it to wipe off anything we want to wipe off. It's not the way it works. He said very clearly in that verse, and you need to listen to it one more time. If you hold my teaching, you are my disciples. And if you are my disciples, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. You see, freedom only comes in following Jesus Christ. Freedom only comes by living for him. It does not come because you walk through the door of a church or because you have a Bible on your coffee table. We don't have those anymore, do we? Because you have a Bible somewhere in your house. Freedom only comes when you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. Truth. We see how elemental it really is. Listen, if one plus one doesn't equal two every time, the whole world is doomed. Math is not racist. You know, I was so infuriated the other day when I read that the governor of Oregon moved all standardized requirements for students in Oregon. Can I tell you about something that's racist? It's racist when government and teachers say, because you're of this culture or that culture, because you're oppressed, because you're a victim, you can't learn like everybody else can. That is absolute garbage from the pit of hell. 
There are little black kids that are smart as a tack, little Hispanic kids that are smart as a tack, Asian kids that are smart as a tack, Indian kids that are smart as a tack, just like white kids. And whenever we say you can't learn because of the color of your skin and where you came from, that, my friend, is racism. But the wokers see it upside down. They're making a way. It's absolute garbage. Garbage. See how the enemy twists the truth? Go back again to the Garden of Eden. He said to Eve, did God really say you couldn't eat of the fruit of that tree? And if he did, do you know why he did? He said that because he knows that if you eat of that fruit, you'll become just like him. You'll be a God. Nothing of truth in that statement. He twists it because of pride and envy and pleasure. And everywhere we turn, even now in corporate America, we're seeing woke CEOs, spineless, gutless, supposed leaders. Started in 2008 after the crash when the woke crowd told Wall Street, either do what we tell you or we're going to cancel you. And CEOs gave in to that pressure with no leadership qualities, no backbone, no spine. They give in to that lie. And may I tell you, this really tickles me. There are some major corporations who, because they bought into the wokeism lie, are losing money hand over fist. You know what my prayer is? First, wake them up. And if they won't wake up, then shut them down. Let it happen. One or the other. When is somebody going to stand up in this culture and say, we love everybody, we accept everybody, but acceptance does not mean approval or applause for your behavior. Everybody's welcome in this church. It doesn't matter the color of your skin, your sexual orientation, you're welcome here. Because we believe that in the presence of truth, God will touch your life. So you're welcome. Come. We're not condemning you. We accept you. But our acceptance doesn't mean we approve of the choices you have made. Nor does the gospel approve the choices that have been made. Very few churches are talking about this. Very few pastors are talking about this. Why? Well, they might cancel me. People might leave. May I tell you, they have canceled me. There are people who will leave. But God brings new people in who are searching for truth. Searching for truth. <clears throat> we should no longer be tied to that fear. And you can't cancel the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's impossible. You know what the problem is? The problem is we don't like to be told no in the society. We hate being told no. I remember when Philip, my youngest son, was probably just a little over two. He talked all the time. That kid never shut up. His mind worked in ways that I couldn't even begin to imagine. Matter of fact, all four of my kids were very hard-headed and strong-willed. No, it did not come from me. I see that. You just put it away. Think what you want, I don't care. And I remember the time he was doing something I didn't want him to do. Actually, what he was doing is he had a 
paperclip. He had pulled it apart. This is two years old. He was trying to stick it in a light socket. I said, no, Philip, don't do that. He kept moving towards it. I said, Philip, no. And he turned around to me in his two-year-old pigeon English and said, you not nice. <laughs> yeah, because I told him no. See, the problem is we have niceified Jesus Christ. And no one wants to be told no. No one wants to be told you're a sinner going to hell until you accept him as your Lord and Savior. No one wants to be told that lifestyle is destructive and it leads you away from God. No one wants to hear no anymore. We have niceified Jesus Christ. But when we hear the no, we have to receive it. We have to act upon it. We have to move forward through it because we control our thoughts and bring them captive. Look at number four, our feelings. This is another big thing that Wilkers tell you. They say, we have truth and there's universal truth and it's true for me, it's true for you. That's not true. There is a universal truth. It is true through all times, all spaces, all places, but it's rooted and grounded in the word of the living God. You see, what we need to understand is that feelings emerge through truth. Truth doesn't come through feelings. It's the other way around. Feelings come through truth. They're a byproduct of truth. So what do workers do? They say, oh, this is the way I feel. Feelings are central to my life. I'm driven by my feelings and you can't tell me I'm wrong. You see, the world needs to hear it one more time from Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. That's the unrepentant heart. Deceitful and desperately wicked. The wokest then put feelings as facts where we believe facts control our feelings, not inversely. They say, if you don't approve of me, if you don't accept me, if you don't applaud me, I just may kill myself. Manipulation. Driven by feelings, not by truth. While I'm on the point, let me just give you a sidebar. Yeah, I know. Here I go again. Do you realize in the trans community, those who have actually converted from male to female or female to male, 80% of them say they've considered suicide. 61% have attempted suicide. 28% succeeded. What's that tell me? It tells me changing your body parts does not change your heart. You'll never find happiness by destroying what God created. Wilkes say it's all about intersectionality. The more boxes I can check, the better I am. Well, I'm a Chinese lesbian, so you have to accept me. Give me a break. Because of that sexual orientation, you think you're better than a white girl or a black girl. Give me a massive break. Absolutely untrue. My victim status. Then you have people say, I identify as a man. So I want to use the men's restroom when in fact they're women. Or the reverse is what's really scary. I identify as a woman, so I want to use the women's bathroom. i got to tell you, if I have to stand guard outside of a bathroom door to protect my grandkids and my family, you better believe I'm going to do it. 
And some of you need to grow a spine and do the same thing. Number five, let's talk about it very quickly. The way we live or what we live for. We either live to glorify self or we live to glorify God. And glorifying God is reflecting Him in everything we do, everything we say, everything we touch, everything we feel. God is a God of glory, and we were created to glorify Him. I love Galatians 2.20. How many of you have learned it? You can, you can memorize it. Oh, just me? All right. Well, that's fine. No problem. You need to memorize it. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. Did you hear it? The life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. Oh, who's going to say, I like that. That's good stuff. Thank you. I like that. That's good stuff. See, when we go to school, when we go to work, when we turn on the television, when we listen to things on the radio, we are taking things in that primarily are destructive to the way you are called to live. What we're reading, what we're discussing, what we're talking about reveals our worldview. And it's my prayer today. Tom, would you come back, please? That everybody in this room and everybody online We'll take a deep dive into what you really believe. A deep dive into your worldview. Because even though we don't talk about it, it's extremely important. I don't have time to get to these five questions. I'm going to read them to you. Ask yourself, is my identity in Christ? Am I taking my thoughts and making them captive? Am I living in God's truth or just by what I feel is right? Are my feelings subject? to truth? Am I living out God's greatness, God's glory in all I do? It's about an eyes are closed. In this moment, has the Spirit of God been dealing with you? Has the Holy Spirit been bringing conviction? You say, I don't even know what that is. Well, it's that heavy feeling in your chest. It's that feeling that your heart is going to pound right out of your chest. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. If you're in this room today and you're saying, hey, God's talking about me, to me. Holy Spirit is convicting me of things. Views that I've held that are not a biblical worldview. And today I want to take those things captive and submit to the will of God for my life. That's you across this room. Would you slip up your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor. Things I need to change. Yes, others. Come on, pray for me, Pastor. Yes, sir, others. Others, yeah, across the room. Anyone else, you'll raise your hand. Stand to your feet with me today. As believers, we are called to have a biblical worldview, which is counter-cultural. It means we're always swimming upstream. It means we are always facing opposition, pressure, even persecution. But in those times, we hold steady. We stand firm. We believe God. And we know that God already has a plan to see us through. So if you raised your hand this morning as Tom begins to sing this great old song, Cornerstone, slip out and come on or pray for you. I want to ask God to do a work in your life. Yes, others, come join this young man.
Ask God to do a work in your life and bring change, deliverance, and hope and freedom to you today. Come on, others that raise your hand, don't wait. This is your moment. This is why you came to church this morning. You made it to the end of the message, and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? Then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 1030 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.